All right, good morning, church. How's everybody? Praise the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. I'm thankful for each mother that is here. Uh, if you will, we're going to get started here. I want you to get your Bibles out, get your apps, get your whatever your device is that you uh, access the Word of God. Uh, you're going to take two places. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. So the title of the message today is A Tale of Two Conversations. Um, so let me say, first of all, it's an honor to be standing in the pulpit. It's always an honor to be here, but specifically today, just for what this day represents. Um, you know, I do want to honor all the physical moms that are here and the spiritual moms. Uh, for you ladies that disciple, that have won people to Christ and, and are walking with them in that, thank you for what you do. Um, and as far as for the physical moms, thank you, because there's a reason that men aren't called to do that, right? Amen. Yeah, amen. I, I, I threw, I'm going to throw you some softballs today, ladies, so you're going to, you know, take them while you can get them. So. And I, I do understand also that for some, you know, uh, your mom may not be with you anymore. Uh, my mom died in 2007, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her and some of the things that she tried to instill in me. I'm thankful for her. Uh, but my heart goes out to you. Uh, it really does. I know what you're going through. So uh, when Jay asked me to preach today, uh, first I was like, are you sure? You know. Uh, secondly, uh, two names immediately came to my mind. It was Sarah, uh, the wife of Abraham, mother of Isaac, and his wife, Rebecca, mother of Esau and Jacob. And that was kind of where I, I was going to go. Uh, but then as I started kind of looking through Scripture and looking at moms, uh, two other names, actually three, kind of popped up. Uh, and we'll get to those in just a second. But God's Word, we hold it in high regard to here, and we'd say amen to that, right? Amen. Uh, it's the final authority in all things pertaining to this life. So, but unfortunately for us, because we live in Laodicea, and sometimes we, uh, we, you know, we, we ascribe to that title, unfortunately, uh, we kind of tend to pick and choose the areas we're going to apply the Bible to our lives, Right? How it's, it's kind of like we take a, it's a buffet, if you will. I'll take some of the green beans. I won't take some of this or, you know, whatever we like. That's what we, how we apply it sometimes. But what I saw in these ladies uh, that we're going to talk about today and what specifically what I saw in their children uh, was a pattern of discipleship and obedience to biblical authority. And you're going to see that their circumstances are very different. Uh, you're going to see that uh, they had some challenges. And so... Um, I want to say respectfully, you know, to every lady that's here, the things that we're going to talk about today aren't meant to criticize, they aren't meant to chide you, uh, whether spiritual or physical. Uh, these are meant to encourage you. I understand that your role's tough, trust me. Uh, I see what my wife goes through every day, and there's, not a, there's no way that I could do what she does on a daily basis, and I thank you. And also, Bob. But I'm not here to tell you how to be a great mom, physical or spiritual, based on my opinion or based on my preference. Because trust me, nobody wants to hear that, and you, can, you don't have to amen there. But fortunately, the Lord himself has a lot to say about how to do it biblically. And that's what we want to do. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, I don't think I put it on the screen, but it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So moms, respectfully, this applies to you today. Not because I said it, but because the Lord did. Uh, so let's look at these ladies today. And those ladies are Hannah in 1 Samuel, and then we're going to look at Lois and Eunice uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. So let's pray and we'll get started today. Dear God, we love you. Uh, man, Lord, you're just an awesome God. I think about some of the things that we said that uh, you're a good and gracious king, uh, that you cared enough about us that you sent your son, uh, and that he is enough. He is, he is all sufficiency is, is fulfilled in him, scripture says, and he is all we need today. Uh, so for us today, as we humbly come to your word and we open it up, um, help us to understand that you are the authority. We're not the authority. Uh, your word is. And we want to be respectful and obedient to that today. Lord, I know that I am nothing. There's nothing good in me uh, except your son. And I do pray that as we break your word down, as we look at scripture, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us. Uh, he is the only one that can guide us to truth. Uh, it's not going to be me that guides anybody. It's not going to be anybody else in, in this building today. But the Holy Spirit can guide us to the truth that you would have us to hear from your word. We love you, and all these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, so everybody got 1 Samuel chapter 1, right? Uh, so we want to f- first talk about uh, a promise, a promise. And so if you know the backstory of Hannah, uh, you can remember that she uh, desired a child, right? And she had an adversary. And anybody remember her name? Panana, right? So nobody's going to name their kid Panana. Uh, so... Uh, but she had an adversary, and, and the husband's name was Elkanah. And so he had two wives, uh, but Hannah was barren. And if you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she, deci- she wanted a child more than anything else. Uh, that was the thing that she desired from the Lord. Uh, and you can remember her going uh, to, the, to the temple uh, and deciding, you know, she's praying there. The Eli, Eli hears her, the priest. He thinks she's, she's drunk. Um, and, but she is praying diligently and, diligently and fervently for a child. Uh, and so we want to talk about her today. Hannah, uh, her name in Hebrew means grace or favor. Uh, and I, I like, I don't think you need Greek or Hebrew to, you know, but I like the names. I like to understand, to see what, I don't think, I think God puts that intentionally. Um, but you see her name means grace or favor. And if you look at 1 Samuel 1, uh, verse 11, it says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give, unto, unto the Lord, give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. So you see that she vows a vow. And this is not like, uh, you know, for kids in the room, you remember, uh, I'll, I'll, clean, I'll clean up today, I promise, or I'll do this today, I promise. This was a sincere vow, and it meant something very specific. Uh, if you look at Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, uh, sorry for the small print there, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either a man or woman shall separate themselves to a vow, a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord... He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar or wine, or vinegar or strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor or grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. 
All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in the which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy, shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. So she was doing a Nazarite vow for her child, right? Um, she was making that decision for him. Uh, and what a great decision it was. And um, in Numbers 30, you may ask, well, why, was the, why wasn't the father doing that? Uh, well, her vow was just as important as his vow. Uh, when you look in, verse, in Numbers 30, 1 through 7, if you get to verse 7 there and it says, And her husband heard it, and he held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, then her vows shall stand, and her bonds wherewith she bound her, shall, her soul shall stand. So he had to consent to this. Uh, and so it was very important to see uh, that this vow was going to stand because Elkanah stood by it. Uh, he didn't say that she didn't say it, uh, so it had just as much weight as if he said it. Uh, Jonah 2.9 says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So this wasn't just some um, you know, obligatory thing that she was saying. It was something that was very specific. It was intentional, and there was a purpose behind it. And so when you walk on down to 19, uh, it says, They rose up early in the morning, or in the morning early, and worshiped before the Lord, and returned, and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked of the Lord. So she got her, her petition was heard. And thank God we have a, we have a God that hears our prayers. Uh, and he, it was something that because she was on, he was honoring her because of what she had prayed. So you may ask yourself, well, why are my prayers not getting answered? Well, it may be the prayers you're praying. You know, it may not be that you're praying according to God's will or purpose for your life. Going down to verse 24, and when she had weaned him, she took up with her three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here. Praying to the Lord. For this child I pray, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worships the Lord there. Man, that's an awesome picture. It's an awesome uh, story that plays out. So what are we seeing? You're seeing a wife that's desperate for a child. She pours out her heart to the Lord. He blesses her with a child. And later, as a mother, still in subjection to her husband, by the way, uh, more about that in a minute. Uh, she gives him back to the Lord just as she promised. Well, why does she do that? I mean, this was what she had wanted her whole life. That was her existence was to have this child um, because she knows that just as much as she loves her son, his heavenly father is going to love him even more than she does, right? And his best chance for success by God's standard is to live his life in service to him. Uh, you know, and for your information... She was also being obedient to God's word. See, when you trace Samuel's genealogy back in 1 Chronicles 6, guess what, you, guess what tribe he was from? He was a Levite, right? And so the first fruit would have been Samuel. And so he was dedicated to, the, to be uh, the child. Look at Numbers 3.12. And I behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore... The Levites shall be mine. So he was God's anyway, right? Uh, 1 Samuel 2, 18. Uh, later on, 
Uh, she takes him back. She once he's weaned, she takes him. She fulfills her vow to the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. So your first key for today, respectfully, I'm going to keep saying that. Your children don't belong to you or the world. Definitely not the world. They belong to the Lord. Your precious child, you know, uh, we've got a lot of babies running around here, and I'm thankful for them, and as precious as they are, as precious as mine are, they're not mine. They're the Lord's. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Uh, and so, you know, that's part of the issue that we have today is we think they're ours, right? We think we know best how to steer their life, uh, and sometimes we do that without the influence of this right here. Um, and they carry on in the course of this world. We'll see that verse in a minute. Uh, and, you know, everything that we steer them to is, what are you going to do when you get, you know, go to college? What's your career? What's, your, what's going to be your job in life? How many kids are you going to have? All those different things. We have all these aptitude tests that we do in school without letting this influence the decisions that we make, right? Uh, and it's all on the world's course. And I, guys, I don't know if you watch the news. I don't want to be on the world's course today. I don't want my children on the world's course. Uh, 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ephesians 2.2, 2, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, in the children of disobedience. I don't want to sow disobedience into my child's life by exposing him to this world any more than I have to. Uh, you know, you can do what you want to in your home. We're all, as parents and as mothers and as fathers, we're all going to give an account before the Lord and how we shepherded and, and stewarded our children um, because they are his and he cares about them. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 through 18, for by him... Were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, say it with me, and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That includes your children. That includes your life and my life too, right? But for whatever reason, uh, we take, just like other aspects of our life, whether it's our bank account or anything else, you can pick and choose that, right? whatever you want to apply in there. We think we can better manage our children through our human reasoning instead of just following the biblical principles that we already have. Uh, we truly have a Heavenly Father who only wants the best for us and for our children. Amen? Amen. All right, point number two. Let's go to presence. So we're going to switch mothers here. So we're going to talk about a lady named Eunice. Uh, Jay and I had a, a conversation this morning about how to properly pronounce her name. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go by the, uh, you know, the southern Eunice. I don't know if, if anybody knows the correct one, you can correct me later. So, 
so her, in the Greek, her name means good victory. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. And what's interesting, you know, as I, as I, and I'm going to be honest, I did Google famous, 10 famous mothers in the Bible, right? And so the, all the ones came up, uh, Hannah, Mary, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Shunammite woman, all, you know, all these, all these ladies came up. Guess who did not come up? Eunice, or her grandmother for that matter, uh, which is interesting. Uh, so all, everyone except for Mary, and I think maybe Lydia, maybe I've got her at the end, but there was no, um, I didn't see a pattern of like discipleship or anything like that, specifically that would apply to the church age. Except, and this was the example that I thought of. Uh, so when you see this, it says that the faith dwelt in her, for her grandmother first, Lois, and thy mother Eunice. Uh, turn, and you have Acts 16, 1, 3. It says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra. This is talking about Paul. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, uh, which was a Jewess and believed, but her father was a Greek, which was real reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. So they knew all that his father was a Greek. Um, and so we see this relationship play out. We see that uh, we have a Jewess who is Eunice. Uh, we have a, her husband is a Greek and he's not named in scripture. I think that's interesting. Um, there's probably a reason he's not named in scripture. So, you know, probably he's, he doesn't believe or he's, um, you know, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, but we see that the child's name was Timothy. Uh, and it's Timotheus, obviously, but we use Timothy. Second uh, Timothy three fourteen and 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So what we see here is we see Eunice. Uh, she doesn't have the father's er earthly father's help. She only has her grandmother helping her. Uh, she makes sure that her son expo is exposed to the one thing, one thing that can change his life and shape him into the man that God needs uh, and that God's man needs, Paul, to complete his mission, right? Um, and she exposes him to the word of God. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So your next key, your children need consistent time in the word of God to develop a personal walk with the Lord. It's not enough to just be exposed to the word of God when they come in here on Sunday. I'm thankful for every, all the teachers in the back. They do an amazing job. Colin does an awesome job leading them. It's not enough. I'll go a step further. As an adult, it's not enough for you to just do this on Sunday morning. It applies to you too. Uh, you do, will not get where God wants you to be. You will not have God have the relationship with him that you want if you want it, without consistent time in God's word. Um, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, 
As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Uh, you know, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. First uh, Thessalonians 2.13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so, if your children do not see you in the Word of God, then why, how can we expect them to be in the Word of God? How can we expect them to have a personal walk with the Lord when you don't have one? It's not enough to just do it here on Sunday. It's not. Uh, Acts 16, we saw that Timothy was a disciple, right? Uh, but now he's separated for the work of the Lord with the man who would become his father, in the faith. If you look at 1 Corinthians 4, 17, it says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul takes him under his wing. He becomes the, the father that Timothy needed. He carries on the legacy uh, that was instilled by Eunice and by Lois. Uh, and without that, without that... Um, foundation that they placed, he doesn't get where he needs to go. He doesn't, he, because it's, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been established in him. If you look at Romans 16, 21, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, uh, and Sosipater, my kinsman, salute you. And so he's separated for the work of the Lord, uh, and Paul takes him and, and f really kind of completes uh, the process which Hannah and Eunice started, or from Lois and Eunice started. So can you see the parallels between Hannah and Eunice? So obviously di different circumstances. One, the father was present. One, the father wasn't present. Um, but despite the challenges from different circumstances in their home, they both made sure that their children would have the best opportunity for success by God's standards, right? So how did they do this? Well, they made it a priority. Uh, and what did they make a priority? It's consistent exposure to the Word of God. Again, it's not enough to do it just on Sunday morning. It's not enough. If you don't make it a priority in your home where you're going to have a daily time with your children uh, to look at God's Word, uh, then it's really going to be hard for them to grow in their walk with the Lord because they're not going to have that constant exposure and consistent exposure. Because if you look at the verse, it says that they had, look at 2 Timothy 3, 14. Uh, look at that. It says, uh, but that continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it says that he had known the holy scriptures. So if you... Look at that word biblically. That means to be intimate with. That means to have a, um, a familiarity with. It's not just uh, a passing knowledge, right? Uh, Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel, right? And so God, in Moses' circumstance, Moses had intimate time with the Lord himself, it's the same thing here. Timothy had intimate time in the Word of God because of Lois and Eunice's influence in his life. And if you don't have that time where they get to know 
who God is and his attributes and his character, um, then it's going to be really hard for them to follow him if they don't know him. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I only mention that word in the Bible, by the way, uh, and it's by following the word of the Lord. So your children's success, moms, is not dependent on what kind of job they have, not dependent on how much money they have. It's not dependent on you know all the you know um, temporal things of this world that they can accumulate in their lifetime. Uh, the only things that are going to matter is the word of God and the souls of men and what they did with that. That's the only thing. Those are the only things that are going to last, uh, and that's the only thing that they need to be steered toward. Uh, Psalm one one three. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so if you want your child to have success, by God's standards, it's based on this. It's not based on anything else. Uh, I'm thankful for the, you know, all of the, uh, or maybe maybe all is not the correct word, some of the secular education I had, I, you know, I was exposed to a lot of different things, uh, got to learn a lot of different things, uh, the, it, it allows me to feed my family, right, uh, but that's not what drives me, that's not what, you know, I want my family to be uh, based upon is that, I want it to be based on the word of God. So key, it's not enough to hear the word of God. It must be acted on. You know, I worry because, you know, your pastor, one of your pastors, stands up in this pulpit every Sunday, and he pours his heart out. Uh, he studies, and I know he studies. I know the, the sacrifice that he makes. And I worry sometimes that we're not... We hear a lot of things from the Word of God. I, I worry about how much we're actually acting on it. And I worry how much about how we're actually applying it. And how, you know, you get notes, you get all these, we put it on uh, our apps, we put it on, we print them out, we make sure you've got everything that you need, we put it on the screen. But what are we doing with that from there? What are we doing with our children with that? You know, um, man, we shouldn't waste that. He's been here, gosh, 12 years, and the piles of information that you've gotten from him Sunday night, sun, or Sunday morning, Wednesday night, um, taught Sunday school, you know, you, there's been a lot of stuff that, rolls, that has been rolled on to us. Um, don't waste that. I mean, we saw last week that God's word can enlighten us. Uh, we saw in that in the life of Jonathan. And so he was not going to waste that opportunity once he was presented with it. And so we don't need to waste that. We don't need to waste it with our children. James 1, 22 through 25. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. 
But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being a not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this shall be, man shall be blessed in his deed. Uh, so we need to act on it once we hear it. Uh, don't, don't miss the opportunities that you have to apply that in your life, which goes to the last point, and that's purity. See, I'm, I'm, mothers, I'm giving you a present today right now. By, we're, we may finish early. We'll see how we get on this last point. So, so purity. And what we're talking about is consistent application of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 1.5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. And so I want to look at that word unfeigned faith. There's only three other instances where that word uh, is used. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 6, it says, By pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. First Timothy 1, 5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. I hope you're seeing a pattern here. First Peter 1, 22, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Uh, and so pure was in each one of those verses, right? Uh, so pure means that something's not fake. It's not, it's true. It's unadulterated. Uh, it, it's something that is real. That's what Timothy was exposed to. It's something that was real. The faith was real that his grandmother and his mother had. It wasn't something that was a... Uh, a cursory thing that they did just to say that they got into the word of God I did my daily reading for today well praise the Lord what are you doing with it uh, you know we give you 52 weeks of pursuit we again we make everything available what are you doing with it are you walking it out in front of your children are you walking it out in front of your disciple are you walking it out for the brothers and sisters of Christ you see Eunice and her mom had something real uh, as Mark Trotter used to say, I always have, if I'm going to use a reference, I have to use one of Mark's and I have to you know, attribute it to him. Uh, they didn't just know God's word, they knew the God of the word, right? See, their faith had action. Their faith had trust. Their faith had love. It had love. They loved Timothy so much that they gave him the word of God. If you want to have your children know that you love you, that, that you love them, give them the Word of God every day and walk it out for them. Man, they're not going to get into school, I can promise you. Um, you know, I know we have a lot of ladies that homeschool here, um, and my wife homeschools, and, you know, some people, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad she's able to do that. There's a lot of ladies that aren't able to do that. Uh, so if they're not going to get it in the public school, you have to make sure they're getting it at home. And dads, you can't be out to lunch about it either. Uh, you know, if you don't know what your child's being exposed to, well, shame on you. Shame on you. Uh, Father's Day's coming up next month. I'm, I'm sure we'll, Jay's probably already getting prepared for that. So uh, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. John six sixty three. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you want to have an abundant life uh, now, then spend your time on this. Because it's the only thing that's going to sustain you. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that's going to sustain your kids. Um, Because what they're exposed to, not just on TV, movies, uh, you name it, and there's nothing good that can come from that. So I, I don't know, used to, I used to watch the news, and you would kind of see a sense of, um, in the local news, I would say, not CNN or MSNBC or that kind of stuff, but the local news still had kind of, you know, a traditional, even sometimes even had a spiritual uh, kind of tone to it. But even the local news doesn't have it anymore. Uh, they, you know, it's still, it's the same thing being played out. So when I see this, when you look at um, their life and how, what it looked like in their home, uh, it says that they, it dwelt first, this unfeigned faith dwelt first in them. And so when I was studying this, it even came up when I was discipling a couple of weeks ago. The word dwell, for, one, for whatever reason, keeps coming up in my life. Uh, so when you look at that, it says that the faith dwelt and lived in her mother, uh, and then it was passed on to the child, which is Eunice, and then it was passed on to Timothy. There's three generations of discipleship right there, right? Uh, so when you study the word dwell out, when you look at dwelling, uh, 1 Kings 8.13, I have surely built thee in house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. So key. Your faith must be settled and sure and lived out in front of your children. If, if your home is not based on the faith that you have and it's settled and it's sure and your faith is lived out in front of them, if it's chaos, if you're conveying that to your child on a daily basis, then it's your fault. If they don't know what you believe in, probably because you don't know what you believe in. And I know it's Mother's Day and, you know, uh, the elephant in the room, you know. So so let's ask the question, whether you're a physical mom or a spiritual mom, what does the manner in which you live your life convey to the people around you? And guys, you can ask ask yourself that question too. Uh, We can be gender neutral in that, so... Uh, What does it convey to the people around you? What does it convey to your children? You know, one of my favorite King James words, it may be my favorite King James word, is conversation. Put that slide up. Uh, Next one, Derek. Conversation. I love it. Um, And that's what I love about the King James Bible uh, and the Bible in general is they will give you a, a subject or a topic and based on that, you can look at the word and it spells out exactly through pictures uh, of what that word actually means. Uh, it spells it out perfectly that our conversation equals our lifestyle. Uh, so, you know, no matter if you're a man or a woman, child, father, mother, sister, brother, your lifestyle and your conversation tells everybody all about you. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you may um, think about yourself because we always think better than what we actually are, right? 
Uh, did I mention Father's Day was coming up? Uh, so your lifestyle tells everybody about you. Your lifestyle t- tells your children everything about you. Your lifestyle tells, it just, it, it basically, you could, like, on your home, it, you could just put a banner up of what it's actually like based on how you live your life. So, you know, in light of that, no matter what our society or our government, government thinks, you know, you have to be a woman to be a mother, right? So there's two passages that sum up what a woman's conversation should look like. So the word of God says that your conversation as a mother and as a woman should be chaste. Put that word up next. Thank you. Uh, so what does that word mean? Well, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. It's kind of small, so you may want to turn there. We've got a few minutes. 1 Peter 3, 1, 7. Likewise. Uh, and the reason it says likewise is because Peter just spelled it out for the men how they're supposed to act. Uh, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, what he just said, uh, the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, first of all, adorned themselves, being of subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of God, grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered don't hear a lot of that preached anymore Uh, we definitely don't want to see that in our culture Uh, women with a meek and quiet spirit uh, it's quite the opposite if you turn on the tv it's quite the opposite uh, if you watch anything um, because we it's just jacked up that's all I'm going to say about that that's in the greek or uh, Titus 2 1 through 5 but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I think I saw a pattern between those two verses. Um, and you, you aren't going to hear any of that anymore unless you come here. Amen? Uh, so by the way, the Word of God doesn't say that women can't work. It just says that they need to be keepers at home. Uh, you know, my mom worked. My dad worked. like Everybody worked growing up. Uh, and, you know... If you look at two examples of who I believe are virtuous women, uh, who I believe uh, were good mothers, there's two examples I have right here that they worked. Um, They had a job. So let's look at the virtuous woman first. Proverbs 31, verse 24. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. But it didn't stop there. 
So she had her job, and praise the Lord she did. But verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household, and needeth not the bread of idleness. And so even though she had a, a secular job that she did, she still made sure that she took care of her home. She still made sure that she took care of her, took care of her children. Uh, and another great example is Lydia. Acts 16, uh, 14 and 15. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worship God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So despite the fact she had a secular job, she still attended to the things of the Lord. And notice it says that she was baptized and her household. She had influence over her house. She had influence over uh, their uh, eternal life and where they were going to spend eternity because it was important to her. And so, you know, we're going to close. Leslie, I want you to come and you can just play softly. So ladies, you know, whether you work or stay at home, whatever your circumstance is, if you look at Hannah, if you look at uh, Lois and Eunice, their circumstances were different, but their behavior was the same. It was as becometh holiness. So why do we need to do that as a woman, as a mother? Well, first, so the word of God is not blasphemed, right? Uh, if we as a lady, as a mother, say, uh, profess to know the Lord, and then we have a manner of conversation that says exactly the opposite, well, what are we telling to the world? What are we telling to the people around us, right? Uh, so we need to follow the example of Hannah and Lois and Eunice. You know, who knows how much time we have left, but your children could be the next Samuel or the next Timothy. And that would be something to follow after and be a good pattern, I think. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Um, God, we love you. Uh, and man, I'm, I'm just thankful that you've allowed us to be here today. And I know today is about mothers, um, but, you know, I don't want to give anybody, I don't want to make, I want to make sure that we give everybody a chance to respond. You know, as we've, the things that we've heard, and obviously the application was to a mom, but uh, we need to make sure that we understand what today is really about. And it's about Christ. It's about uh, Jesus Christ and the shed blood that he gave uh, for us. There may be people here that don't know, uh, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, I do pray that, you know, they would assess that and, and really examine their hearts to make, to see if they're in the faith or not. Uh, it's so simple. Jesus cared so much about us that he, or God cared so much about us that he sent Jesus. Uh, he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. Uh, he died and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. If we can put our faith and trust in that, uh, the Bible says that you will save us. Uh, you're faithful to do that. It's God's will that every man be saved. Uh, he doesn't, it's all, that we are all called uh, to repentance. And I do pray uh, today that if somebody doesn't have that personal relationship with Christ, that they will do that today. It's just a, a question of admitting they're a sinner, that they've fallen short of God's uh, standard for their life, and we all have. But it's just admitting that and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and believing in what he did at Calvary and that he rose again. And if we will do that today, then we can be saved. And I pray somebody will. If today is the day of salvation, if we will hear his voice, right? Um, for us in the room as uh, believers, man, 
particularly whether we're a mom, uh, whether, um, you know, no matter what our circumstance is, what does our manner of conversation say? What does our lifestyle say to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to our specifically, what does it say to our children? You know, I mentioned earlier, we will be held accountable for that. We will stand before the Lord and give an account of what we did with his children, not ours. Help us to do that in a way where we can hear, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, And man, that would be just an awesome testimony, an awesome time to be able to say, Lord, I did everything I could of what you gave me. And man, there's so many good things that he's given us. I pray that we can say that about everything. Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for just the opportunity to be here. I do pray for uh, that your word will have free course in this place. I pray that uh, it doesn't return void, that it accomplishes exactly what you have uh, for us to maybe establish or to examine in our heart and life uh, the things we've talked about today. We love you. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Guys, if you will, stand with me.